stay on top of the latest business and investment trends in ed tech. In this podcast, your host, Todd Hand, talks with thought leaders, executives, and investors to explore the latest in the education and technology space. Welcome to EdTech Leader Interviews. Hi, I'm Todd Hand, and I am really excited about my guest today because when I started my podcast a year ago, Susan Wolford was on my short list of guests that I definitely wanted to have on my podcast, and she is joining me today. Susan is the Managing Director and Head of Technology and Business Services Group at BMO Capital Markets. Welcome, Susan. Hi, Todd. How are you? Great. Thanks for joining us. Now, most of the industry knows you. So for the four or five people listening who don't know you, what do you do? Well, so I'm an investment banker. um, And so our role in the industry is to help companies raise capital, either debt or equity, help companies merge or sell or buy other companies in the ecosystem, and generally try to be useful to the movers and shakers inside the education ecosystem. Are you both, do you both work on the, the sell side and the buy side or one or the other? Yeah, we do both. So, uh, and as, as do almost every investment banker I know will work. Uh, if we don't get the sell side, then of course we scramble and try to run out and find uh, the right buyer and help that buyer be successful in the purchase. And usually buy side is done for the, the financial buyers, which have just flocked into the industry. So it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great sector for advisory because there are so many financial sponsors that are interested in this sector. This interview is really timely because in September, you're hosting your 18th or 19th BMO back to school conference in New York City. And it's one of our favorite conferences to go to. It is, if, if, if whoever's listening, if you're not familiar with it, it is absolutely the, the place to connect with CEOs and investors. And so I want to talk a little bit about that towards the end of this podcast, but let's talk a little bit about the current deal environment in education. What have you been seeing in the last 12, 18 months? So the market, the overall m and market is quite robust. And, you know, sometimes some of the, our friends in the education market will say how great the market is. And it is fantastic to be an education company today, but that is echoing what's happening in the overall M&A market. Um, there are some exceptions to that. I'll make a comment on that in a second, but, but it, is a, um, it is a wonderful time to be a seller, a lot more difficult time to be a buyer because values are 25 to 30% higher than what we would normally expect in a more sober market environment. The caveat I, I, I qualified my comments about a minute ago, um, about the premium and about the, the frothy market is really limited to um, what I would call good to great companies. People are willing to pay a premium to buy quality uh, in a market where, as you can imagine, if you're paying a lot for a company, you want to know that it's going to perform and you're willing to accept a lower return, which comes through paying a higher price in exchange for having a lower risk profile. For companies that are okay, not great, but okay, there may be a small premium. And for companies that are struggling, I'd say there's no premium. So it's a wonderful time to be a seller, uh, but there, is, there, are, there are some caveats around that. There was a deal a year ago where the education company went out to bid and I've never received this many calls from potential <laughs> buyers, private equity firms, strategics, and they all started the same way. Hey, Todd, we're bidding on this asset 
and wanted to get your help putting our bid together with you know available executives, et cetera. I must have gotten six or seven calls, and I can't remember getting that many calls for one particular potential deal. Right. Oh, yeah. It's been an extremely active year, especially on the curriculum side. So everybody kind of knows that Curriculum Associates got sold and Renaissance got sold and Weld North, of course, got sold. And so they were big events in the education sector, in part because they sort of, you know, go to one of the themes that are going on in education, which is the blurring of core and supplementary education. So I think that one of the reasons that became those three properties in particular became so uh, such a lightning rod for things is it really coalesced around a significant theme that people could understand and and, and believe they can take advantage of, which of course we do too. So I think they were noteworthy, not just because of the multiples they traded at, which was extremely noteworthy, the multiples they traded at, but also because it, it highlighted something that is going on in schools that investors have now really latched onto and are hoping to take advantage of in, in their support of the companies that are helping blur those lines. The three general buckets in education are K-12, although we're now describing that as pre-K-12 to include right. all of the early child education, which I think is a, is a sector that's been pretty hot in the last 12 to 18 months and, and maybe even getting hotter. Then there's higher ed and corporate learning. Do you see any one of those in the last six or 12 months becoming, you know, do you see any trends in those three buckets? Anyone that's, that's really gotten particularly hot or cooled down? Well, the one that has really, the one, as I said a minute ago, the one that has caused most attention in part because of the sizable transactions that came to market that, that put a, that put a, a spotlight on the sector is K-12 content, right? Of one sort or another, whether it be assessment or curriculum, supplementary, you know, there was a real spotlight, not because the trend is, is so pronounced in content, but rather because they were of a size that caught the a size and a maturity level such that the private equity community could participate and come in. But you're absolutely right that there is a lot of activity in other sectors as well. There's a lot of interest in on the corporate training, the corporate learning side. Less product has come to market to cause people to look at it. But we regularly get inbounds from people who are going off of the theme of, you know, degrees are, college degrees are being questioned. In fact, there was an article on the front page of the journal yesterday talking about how employers, I won't say are lowering the standards, but are removing some of the credentials required in a tight labor market. So for example, if after the Great Recession, people were looking for college degrees, perhaps to do jobs that really didn't actually require a college degree, those things are going away in a tight labor economy. But that's coupled up with the emergence of a whole nother group of companies that say, there's a more efficient way to train a workforce. And so workforce development is a very big theme and we get lots of inbound calls from private equity guys in particular who are, who are looking for themes to support, who see enough in the popular press calling into question whether or not the path to employability has to be through a two or four or post 
post-grad degree and they're questioning that and they're saying what are other ways for people to acquire skill sets and companies of course are being developed companies like the coding academies which were which were very hot a few years ago and now are currently settling into a more mature state guys like plural site who are out talking about you know other other ways of pathways to improved employability if not that first job so there's lots of examples well there aren't lots of examples there are examples of alternate paths to a more employable workforce and financial buyers are looking for a toehold into developing that theme so we're seeing a lot of interest however there hasn't been much product on the market to help people of size because and the reason for that when when people lament that what can i buy it's like well that's the opportunity there aren't a lot of scaled companies there are some but there aren't a lot of scaled companies so the opportunity is you you need to get in but you need to get in at a little younger stage than maybe some of the private equity guys would like to get in but we are having lots of calls in on that topic um less product to meet it but i think some things will, i absolutely know some things will be coming to market that will meet that demand. The other big trend that we're seeing out of China is an interest in schools. So pre-K through 12, in our own practice, in, in a transaction that we worked on earlier, there was a, an unusual, unprecedented amount of interest from the Chinese investors in this school operator, so much so that we made a special trip to China in uh, late last year in December, met with 14 investors, of whom 12 told us their number one targets of things to buy in the U.S. First, it was K-12 private schools. And when we told them there really weren't very many of scale, you know, there was a very disappointed look on their face. And then they, uh, second best was preschool. Yes. So, um, and quickly, they quickly grabbed on to the idea that preschools are something of interest. So, and of course, you, you most recently saw, and it just closed yesterday, so I can talk about it. You know, we most recently had Primavera through its acquisition of Stratford purchasing Nobel. And so that was very exciting for people, I think, to, to look at um, and hear about. So there is there's something for every investor <laughs> across the ecosystem, both with mature, with, with mature schools and with young schools. With, excuse me, mature companies, young companies, venture, um, kind of long hold funds that look for a little less upheaval, I think, at times, certainly pension funds. So there's something for every investor. I just wish there were more because there's a lot more demand than there is supply of companies at the moment. I want to talk about the upcoming conference, but one more question about the deal environment, and that is a prediction. You know, we're, we're, we hear so much about the upcoming recession in 12 or 18 months let's say it comes sometime in 2019. How do you predict that will impact the education sector? Obviously some valuations will come down. Do you see an increase in activity because some of these investors and, and buyers now you know, m- might be looking at some less expensive assets? Well, that's a great question and, and very hard to answer. <laughs> great questions usually are hard to answer. That's a hard one because Normally, when we have an economic cycle, you know, uh, there's a whole there's a whole cascade of things of events that happen that impact the deal market. And so, in our particular sector, there are some parts of the universe of companies that are that clearly respond negatively to a down cycle. Like K-12 spending, for example, is oftentimes restrained, and and you'll see that show up in supplementary publishing. Preschools are thought to be cyclical. 
we know companies that aren't, but in general, people worry about cyclicality as it relates to preschools and K-12 schools, but there aren't that many K-12 schools. Post-secondary historically has been a counter-cyclical industry. We'll see what happens next time in, the, in an environment where there's sort of flat enrollment. We'll see what happens. One would expect it to be at least modestly counter-cyclical. So the underlying businesses themselves, you know, have different corporate training definitely is impacted negatively by a recession. So that will have that impact. The other thing that happens with the recession, of course, is that interest rate it, leverage becomes more difficult to, to, to acquire, which makes it harder to pay up for a company. So there, there are a number of kind of negative indicators around a recession. Not a big surprise to anybody listening to this podcast. However, there are a number of people who are sitting on the sidelines who are saying, this is ridiculous. I'm not paying whatever blank, blank, you know, teens multiple for a business. It's just crazy. I'm not doing it. I'm not paying 30% premium. And so we have a number of people who normally are very, uh, you know, active acquirers in our market, in the education market, who have kind of sat it out for a while because they, they, under, they believe they understand the sector so well that they are better equipped to determine, you know, how high, how high of a price you can bid. And they've, and some of them have determined that we have reached that point and then some. So they're kind of sitting it out and clearly in, with the hopes that when the recession comes around, the frothiness will subside, more normal pricing will reemerge, and that's when they'll be poised to, to leap it back into the, debt, the deal market. And of course, we very much hope that is the case because that will certainly serve to soften a decline in valuation due to leverage, for example, being lower. So we'll have to wait and see, but this is, this is a pretty unusual time. I don't know that I've ever seen the market persist at these kind of premiums for this length of time, and I've been doing this for a really long time. I'm not going to say, don't ask me, Todd. Um, <laughs> I wasn't. But a really long time measured in multiple decades, and so I'd be surprised if this would persist, but we're enjoying while it's, we're certainly enjoying it while it lasts. Okay, the upcoming conference is September 13th? 13th, yes, thank you. New York City, it's in a new venue. Uh, It used to be at the Grand Hyatt, right? It is, it is, Um, and we've had it there forever. And so for those of you who are listening who are longtime attendees, please hear this, that we have moved the conference this year and probably will go back to the Grand Hyatt. We just had a conflict in dates this year. We had to work out because as as you say, it's back to school. So we we are always determined to have this in the second week of of September. And so we just just had to move for conflict reasons. But yes, this year it'll be at the Intercontinental Hotel in New York City. Which is just a few blocks north, I think, right? Okay. So for, for people listening that are planning on going, what can they expect? And for people who are listening that aren't familiar or maybe haven't gone in a couple of years, why should they go? Well, this, com- this conference we think is unique in that it is an investor conference. And so there are other wonderful conferences. And one of my favorites, of course, is GSB. So a little shout out to Deb Quazzo and Michael Moe and all the other folks at GSB that make the, and ASU, of course, that make that so successful. But this is very different from that and from some of the, most of the other conferences in that it's an investor conference. And so it is targeted to both public investors for companies who are public companies. Um, you know, we generally have 150 or so public investors that show up. And for private equity and venture capital investors, for lenders who don't compete with BMO, um, so some of the uh, lenders who are in different debt markets than we're in, we, we love to have them come as well. 
And of course, our beloved management teams that come and represent all the different subsectors within education. And so it's different in that, that it really, the focus really is on introducing topics and companies to the investor population so that A, they can learn more about the trends of what's going on in education, but clearly they're also there to get a sense of what the individual, what the companies are up to. And we do this using two devices, right? We, we have fireside chats for about 25 companies that sit and talk with our equity research analysts and, and a variety of other moderators one-on-one. They'll talk about their companies and typically they'll talk about their companies. But we then have 16 panels made up of generally five CEOs that can coalesce around a, a topic of common interest, things like developing the workforce, things like the blurring lines of, of core and, and supplementary curriculum. And in those cases, this is, I, I think it's some of the best content that, that I've heard because it, you know, it's very senior guys talking with their peers, oftentimes talking with their, you know, uh, very, very severe competitors, but coming together really to educate the investor population about both the opportunities and challenges that exist across this ecosystem. So I think in that regard, because the focus is investor, I think that people, you know, the things we talk about are not so deep into the operations as maybe some of the other conferences where you might, if you were having a marketing discussion, for example, you might have the head of the marketing groups of, the, of organizations speak and, and they'll go, you know, they'll, they'll take it from a different direction. So I think in that regard, you know, it does, it does serve a, a purpose in the, in the sector that I hope is, I hope is, is worth all the time and energy it takes to put it together. So who comes up with the topics? Is it kind of a, a group combination of people and it's, it takes a village kind of thing? Or who decides how the topics uh, will differ from years past? Well, what we're really trying to do, to be completely candid, is we, we start with the companies that we think are really interesting companies and are of a scale and size, right? So because we're not really, you know, we, we, as a practice, we don't work with companies like doing Series A very well, never. Our, the people we know tend to be, if it's, if it's venture, it's, it's, they've done a round or two. So we start with companies that have reached some scale, generally, you know, are well into their sales success. And then we look at that list. We put together this list and say, well, these are the companies that we think are interesting, that the, investor, that, that the investors will find of interest because they'll be able to invest. So we start there, and then we look for the common themes, and we say, well, these four guys could talk about this, and these three ladies, or this, this combination of, of folks can talk about this topic. So honestly, it starts with a list of people that we want, or we think the investors should be aware of and should be paying attention to, and then we develop themes. Hopefully, most of the time, the themes make some sense to coalesce around. Every now and then, we'll come up with a panel and be like, you know, this poor guy is going to struggle to talk to, talk to that topic. And so if any of you have been to back to school and you're thinking, what is, what is she doing on that panel? Be reassured that it was, the, it was the best fit we could find for that individual's company. Uh, it, not because we didn't understand it, but it was the it was the only spot that we could find marginally relevant. So that's that's how we do it. That's you know we we get lots of 
since we've been doing the conference for 18 years, we get lots of inbounds from people with ideas, which we love, by the way, if you have an idea for a panel, we love to get those ideas. But many, many of them are turned away because they'll say, well, you should get like the head of XYZ traditional university to speak to this topic. And that's where we generally do differ from others. Because if, if the audience can't invest in the company, we might have a couple of speakers that are not part of a company that can be invested in, but very few. Again, consider what the purpose is, which is to create an environment to have strategic investors, financial, financial investors, public investors be able to come and meet with companies and meet with and get ideas by which they're then going to turn around and invest capital into the sector. You and your team do such a terrific job. Again, I can't stress how important if if you're listening and you are even thinking about investing in the education sector, you got to go. It's one day, so it starts pretty early in the morning, like around seven seven thirty with a breakfast. The events are over around five or six at night. So it's not a big time invest, but there's a lot packed in that one day and it is September 13th. So yep, make a point, get it on your calendar. Yep, about a hundred companies that are presenting this year and we have a few more we need to, to, to tie down. But yes, we would love to hear here and we'd love feedback. So if you come or if you've been in the past, shoot me an email, tell me we could be doing better. Susan, thank you very much and I will see you in September. Great. Thanks, Todd. Take care. Subscribe and share the podcast with industry colleagues and stay current on the latest business and investment trends in EdTech. For more podcast episodes, go to www.edtechleaderinterviews.com. Join us next time on EdTech Leader Interviews with Todd Hand.